I'm Court. I'm Tyreek. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Court, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? All right. Uh, I am a, a game engine programmer. Uh, last time I was here, I plugged an album that I hadn't finished yet. And for the record, I did manage to finish it and upload it to Bandcamp before the episode aired. Uh, it, it's it's now on Spotify, too, after several copyright-related rejections. Uh, the, the last time I checked, I had exactly one listener, but that's totally fine, actually, because I have listened to exactly zero songs on Spotify myself, and that means I'm winning. <laughs> So what were there? Were there uncleared samples on there or what? There, there was one song that was entirely made of uncleared samples and then a, a few others where they don't want you to upload covers unless you have explicit permission to do so and some number of downloads already and I didn't want to bother. So I just left them off. Right. And that's fine. Um, but what I'd like to plug today is is, is the the, uh, the process of turning leftover pumpkin pie into a delicious Indian style curry, which... Uh, Ooh. is 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 i'm not a fan of pumpkin pie myself but this last thanksgiving we were left with three quarters of a giant pumpkin pie and i wasn't sure what to do with it and my wife found a recipe which i can put in the show notes that that made it an irresistible dinner for two or three days and it was fantastic pumpkin spice curry pumpkin spice curry sounds honestly a lot better than pumpkin pie so i'm yeah. very interested yep. in this. i agree and the, the first question everyone has is, what do you do with the crust? And and the answer is, you, you scrape the filling out of the crust, you make that into the curry, and then the crust you toast, and you crumble on top of it, and it adds a lovely texture. So it, it uses all the parts of the, the pumpkin pie buffalo. It's very frugal. <laughs> that does sound good. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and Tyreek, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, yes, I am a game developer. I'm making a game called Catacomb Kids. I'm also working on a game called UFO 50, and I also have an album that is on Bandcamp, not Spotify. Uh, you can find it at errorwithanf.com. Cool. Are we ready to start on some topics? Topic I'm us. ready. Court, your topic is fantasy consoles. Yes, it is. Okay, so um, I'm by no means an authority here. I, I, I asked if fantasy consoles had been a topic yet, and Jim said no. And then like a day or two later, he busted out this, this full-on interactive Pico 8 holiday card. So... <laughs> uh, now I feel like a total uh, dilettante here, but but that but that's fine. Um, so for for people who are even even less with it than I am, uh, if I had to give a general overview, a fantasy console, it's like a step beyond a game engine. Um, so so like rather than providing just the set of tools to make a game, a fantasy console is a simplified imaginary computer architecture on which the games run and the tools to 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 build things on that architecture. Um, they're they're usually full of artificial constraints uh, that are pegged at a level of technology somewhere in like the 80s or early 90s. So like big chunky pixels and kilobytes of memory, mostly mostly 2D only games. Uh, of course, the first thing anyone does is get Doom running on them. So that goes right out the window. <laughs> uh, the, the effective clock rates are in like the low megahertz range. Uh, but, but rather than emulating one of the popular CPUs of the era, like you know, there are NES emulators, there are Atari emulators and stuff, but, but like worse than all you can do that but but instead a fantasy console presents an idealized simplified cpu where like the, the native language of this processor is something like lua or python instead of machine code um and so it's this sort of all-in-one package to make a simple old retro game and, and then when you're done you can export it to a web page or a native executable or something um be very sort of universally consumable like that uh and and, and i'm a fan of them I really enjoy working in Pico 8. Like, so I would say that the mo at its most basic, a fantasy console is 
basically just an API for making games with a very um, constrained interface. And then like you also get the ones like Pico 8 that also have uh, an IDE built into them. I wasn't sure if that was a standard feature or not, but it, it's a really nice one when they do it that like all the tools are right there. It, it is very reminiscent of, you know, making games on the Commodore 64, for example, uh, if you're only working in basic, uh, as opposed to like once you actually, if, if you're actually digging into the machine code stuff. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it as like, it's kind of a nostalgia trip to be uh, working with this extremely constrained platform. Oh, very much so. I, the, uh, I've been using one called uh, Tick80 recently, and it, it comes with a uh, CRT shader by default. So you can run the whole thing as if you're on a like a dinky TV from the 80s. Right. Uh, so it, it's clearly targeting this nostalgia factor. What's, what, what, is that, what is that one called again? Uh, it's called a TIC-80. And it is, it is uh, close enough to Pico 8 from, in my experience, that I'd be hard-pressed to, to give a list of pros and cons. Right. Um, very, very similar to that one. It's open source. I don't think Pico 8 is. So there, there's yeah, one yeah. for and you. Pico 8 is actually like maybe the only one that you actually pay for. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 bucks. Um, but Pico 8, I, I can't speak to most of these. Um, Pico 8, the set of specific capabilities and constraints is incredibly well tuned. Like it, it feels really, really good in the mind to like work with this this particular set of constraints. And I, I watched a talk with the developer who was saying that he wrote the specs for a Pico 16 just to make sure he wasn't accidentally doing that. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> what do you mean? Just to make sure he wasn't accidentally... Like he wasn't like adding a feature that should be really part of the next generation of consoles. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So he, so he was like, okay, I'm making Pico 8. And so here's what Pico 16 would be. And so I need to make sure that when I'm making Pico 8... It doesn't. It like I don't accidentally slip into adding like 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 fancy stuff that that wouldn't be belong. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. I, I I think that's one of my favorite parts about them is that computers have gotten complicated enough that that we've gone out of our way to to make these primitive, intentionally crippled fake computers. Um. And and it's like we we we're trying really hard not to make them too good because that would be a problem. <laughs> and then people invest all this time in optimizing stuff for them. Like, like if you, if you want to make your Pico 8 code run faster, like just go find the number in Pico 8 that says, here's how many instructions to run every second and then multiply it by 10. And now your code is faster. It, it's, it's not hard, but, but we've, we've, we've made this environment that is very specifically constrained yeah, just yeah. so we can push up against that constraint and feel good about ourselves. That's another thing that he t- went, went into it in the talk is that one of the reasons it's not open source is that if people started making forks of Pico 8, that would diminish a lot of the value of having a single specific platform mm. that everybody is developing for. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I haven't made anything in Pico Eight yet, uh, although I've I've had it basically since it first released. Um, but I love the idea of like just fantasy consoles in general and the like concept behind them uh, of like being more restricted and that sort of thing. Like not the same thing, but. Uh, like 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 a year or so ago i was like considering making a game in rpg maker which was kind of the the first game making tool that i ever really started out making just so that i could have a set of restrictions to like guide me and and limit my like what i can do in, in the scope of the things that i make and that sort of thing again uh because that's that's very appealing to me it's just like here's here's a box work within it 
you know, here here's a, a very small space. and But, like, there's still a lot of, like, room to do your own thing. But, like, in terms of uh, technical capabilities, it's like you kind of have to simplify a lot of what you what you intend to create. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned RPG Maker. That is the game that is uh, the, the most played uh, entry in my Steam library. And it's because my kids like to mess with it. And they, they, they ran it and left it open on my computer for like two weeks <laughs> at one point. So now I have hundreds of hours of RPG Maker experience, you know, whether I know it or not. Yeah, good times. Like, like the, the thing that first got me into making games was like very limited stuff like RPG Maker and also like uh, just like level editors for other games for like DOS games and stuff like that. Specifically, there is one called uh, Jetpack. And I spent so much time just making levels in, in that game because the, like the restrictions were very, very satisfying to, to work around. Uh, I guess we're kind of getting getting away from the the actual topic. Of no, not, not at all. I, I think I think that that that's the strength. A, a good constraint is really important. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a creative aid in in any in any environment. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing scarier than a, than like a total blank canvas, blue sky, where you can do anything. Like no, like give me give me some limits, and then we can talk. Yeah. Pretty relevant to the uh, uh, project that I'm working on. I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm working on Catacomb Kids, and I'm also working on UFO Fifty, which is a a collection of 50 games that are uh, uh, created in the style as if they were all made for the same console that never existed. So like, we're not exactly working with a fantasy console, like we're working in game maker, but we're following like an invented set of fantasy console restrictions that all of the games have to uh, adhere to. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, So they're all using like the same, the same palette and the same sort of like we're you know trying to limit like how many sprites can be on on the screen at once and the, like that sort of thing. It, it sounds like you're ninety percent of the way to a fantasy con- fantasy console already. So right, uh, just yeah, so just, just publish the thing. So just build the emulator and then rewrite all the games for that emulator. <laughs> that that would be hard for some of them, but for others it would be a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of the games are pretty big, uh, yeah. but yeah, like, but like, like the, the idea of like working on all these games that are, that are created by the same fictional, uh, like, like studio for the same fictional console and having them all have that, uh, cohesion. Cause that's another thing that I like about Pico eight games isn't just the, the scope of them, but also that they all feel like they kind of belong together, you know, mm. like you can make a package of like, you know, any any just like take a take a dozen pico 8 games or whatever and generally they'll feel like like a tidy package as long as they're generally well put together yeah and i think a lot of that is like the the resolution and the palette yeah exactly yeah are there other like i'm not sure how many other ones there are other than pico 8 and the one you mentioned the uh the uh, Uh, tick 80 there's a ton of them like people like are really inspired by pico 8 to like to make their own and it's not hard to so I'm looking at a list of list of fantasy consoles, and there's, okay, there's only like 30 items in this list. That, that, that's a healthy list, though. That's still quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. terms of like, if, if we're talking like effectively game hardware, that that's 30 platforms. Yeah, yeah. That are out there ready to go. Ah, uh, yeah, I made one. It wasn't ever quite ready to go, uh, but I shipped it anyway. I put it as an Easter egg in the Frog Fractions Hat DLC. It was a. Uh, uh, based on fourth and um, vector graphics, like uh, like asteroids vector, like a vector display. Remind me to ask you about fourth at some point. Maybe not on the show, but I'm <laughs> curious. 
it was based loosely based on fourth. Let's put it that way. Okay. 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 I'm looking at a at a list right now. I'm not sure if it's the same list that you're looking at. And looking at it's just on like a list on GitHub. Yes. And I see uh, uh, Bitsy and uh, uh, Puzzle Script are also included. And I was actually going oh, to ask about them because I was like, do, would you count those as fantasy consoles? Yeah. Some of these I would say are stretch. Like Megazooks is in there. Yeah. ZZT. ZZ, ZZT yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe these are maybe this list is a little bit uh, overlong for what what mm. actually would count. I've made a few in a one called Quad Play. Is that on there? That's a good one. Yes, it is. Excellent. Excellent. Glad to hear that. It's 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 geared specifically towards making four player games, and that's what drew me to it because I, oh, I harbor fun. a uh, I, I, I harbor a fantasy of one day putting a four player arcade in my house. <laughs> I, I, I've gotten as far as as getting the the sticks, and they're sitting in the garage waiting for a console behind them, <laughs> yeah. which has not appeared years later. Um, but I'm, I'm slowly making games for the, for the arcade, con- the, ca- the arcade cabinet that I will someday build for myself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a cool one. It uses language kind of, kind of like Python, uh, not quite as like all batteries included as, as the Pico 8s and, and Tick 80s of the world. Um, but you know, being able to drop out and, and write your music in something and spit out an MP3 is kind of nice too. I'm glad to see it isn't just Lua all the way down. Yeah. I was going to say like, it's interesting that, that Lua seems to have found a home here, uh, like both Tick 80 and, and Pico 8s seem to be Lua focused. Uh, uh, Tick 80 supports like six other languages that I'd never heard of. But when I looked at them, they're all like, oh, th- th- this seems to be like a fork of Lua or something that like transpiles to Lua. And that explains it because I guess Lua is just an easy language to embed into a C or C++ project. Right. Uh, but it makes me wonder like w- what a language specifically designed for these environments would look like rather than just the one that is the easiest to plug into it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it does feel like Lua is... It, 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 it's 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 a bit of a long walk to what you really want for a language for an environment like this i mean it like the the example that comes to mind is um what is it gml for game maker yeah 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 it's just game maker language gml yeah like i feel like that is an attempt at doing what a, a unique language that is for this sort of thing i'll check that one out I'm curious what you think. Um, like I, you, you said that like Megazooks and, and ZZT are kind of a stretch. I'm curious what what you think uh, excludes those from the fantasy console definition because like they seem like they actually might fit pretty well just for like an older set of hardware. But I I don't know. I messed around with them like a very little bit a long long time ago, but I never got like deep enough into them to know for sure. Like, but but they seem like they kind of live in that same space. I'm not familiar with either of them. I'll wait for Jim to answer. Just intent. Intent. Mm. ZZT and Megazooks were not an in- intended to be like reminiscent of programming m- retro computers. Like I feel like nostalgia, playing into nostalgia is a crucial aspect of it. Interesting. So could you not make a future fantasy console that plays into fu- like, like oh my anti-nostalgia? God. <laughs> <laughs> I get- or would that just be making the next like the next actual thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of part of what makes it possible to do this is that you're emulate like the system you're emulating is less powerful than the system you're emulating it with. Right. So yeah, if you wanted to emulate the PlayStation Nine, it would be very difficult. Or like, what what about a fantasy console that like that is very good at emulating and representing like four dimensional games or something like that. <laughs> So I mean another part of what what makes uh fantasy consoles fun is that they're cozy and easily understood. Yes. Mm. 
Like part of part of the fun is that like it's you don't have to think really hard to make interesting stuff with them. It's like hard plus one that like speaking like not as an employee of a company that makes a popular game engine that starts with the letters UN, uh-huh. uh, but but as an individual developer. Like if if I were stuck with inspiration tomorrow and wanted to make a game, I would definitely reach for something like you know a fantasy console, Pico Eight or COD Player or whatever, because everything is just so easy there. It, it, it's so frictionless. It, it just it tends to just work the way that you expect it to. And if it doesn't, you can contact the author, and then like in a few days, there's a release that that does work the way you want it to. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just such a joy to be able to focus on what's to build rather than how to build it, because like there's only. 12 functions in the API. And like, if you want to draw a pixel, there's only one way to do it. And if you want to make a rectangle, there's only one way to do it. And it, it, that's by design. There's not, you know, the deprecated way and the new way and, and you know, all the other nonsense you have to deal with in a modern engine. So like that, that, that simplicity is a huge part of the appeal to me. Yeah, agreed. I guess the important caveat here is that like, I don't expect to sell the, the game I'm inspired to make tomorrow um, because like commercial viability of Pico 8 games doesn't seem to really be a factor. Like it's not something you. Uh... Yeah, yeah. The the big success story I can think of is Celeste, and yep. What they did there was they made a prototype in in Pico Eight, and people liked it, and then they made the full game in another engine. Yeah, and then put the Pico Eight version in the real version. Yeah, that was which was very which cute. is awesome. Uh, I, was saying, I I I I love the idea that like one day making making a game could be like making a home cooked meal. Like it, it's a few hours work. And yeah. it's intended for an audience of like a few people. And if they like it, it served its purpose. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I was doing with my Christmas card thing. What a lovely idea. Like, I really do think that, um, well, then we talked about this by we, I mean, I talked about this with two other people on a recent <laughs> episode where like civilization's relationship with art is pretty fucked up right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And art originally was for people to bond with their friends and family. Um, and we should definitely bring that back as yeah. as like are the prime like ideally as the primary way we interact with art at all but yeah that was that was exactly what i was thinking of when i made uh what was it called hop's big adventure in the gift dimension uh which was a really fun project to work on was that a was it was that a previous year's uh christmas no, that, card? that was this year's that, okay that was okay. this year's christmas card yeah, I had made another one a few years ago called Basil's Adventure, which was about a dog running around in, in a in a cave. Um, very similar in like that it's an exploration platformer, much less challenging. I my wife loved that one, uh, and when I tried to show her this one, she was just like, "This is way too hard to be fun." <laughs> I beat it. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, a bunch of people sent me screenshots, which was very gratifying of, of like the the completed Christmas tree, which was gratifying. But yeah, like as I was um, building this thing out, I kind of came to the conclusion that I don't like Lua as a language. Mm. Um, like I was in a conversation with somebody earlier this month. They were doing Advent of Code in to learn Python. Relatable. <laughs> and they were complaining that Python, if you um, have a typo in your variable assignment, Python will just create a new variable with the, the thing you typed. Yeah. Instead of assi- like instead of throwing an error, uh, which I agree that sucks. Um, and then we had a, like the conversation like went into like, well, okay, the latest. It turns out the latest version of Python has strict typing syntax. It doesn't support the language feature strict typing, but you can use a linter that looks at the syntax. So that's a, a solvable problem in Python. Lua has that problem, but also. You can do that while reading from a variable. 
So if you read a variable and you you have a typo in your variable name, it'll just give you nil because oh this must be yeah. a, a new variable that you haven't told me about yet. Oh, weird. Which is super gross. And that I had to deal with multiple bugs stemming from this. Another thing that I don't like about Lua uh, is that every variable is global unless you specify that it's local. And so if you have like a loop and you use like the loop index i and that calls a function that also uses the loop index i – the uh, unless you specify oh, that they're both, or well, I guess I guess you could get away with specifying only one of them as local. But if they're both, if you don't don't specify local, the inner function call will the i will obliterate the value of the outer i. Which, and, and let's not forget that Lua starts counting at one, and that's really all you need to say because that's wrong. That doesn't bother me so much. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me. I mean, that's fair. I, I I like a zero indexed array, but I can deal with a one indexed array. That's not that's not a deal breaker for me. But like, but the other two things are like I don't like that at all. I I, I think th- these are the things that keep me from using a le- like I I love Python for small scripts of like a hundred lines and anything bigger than that. Yeah. Like the issues you you mentioned start coming into play. Like oh, you got to remember that this function uses this variable that is actually has global side effects and you know you got to keep all the stuff in your head that you shouldn't have to keep in your head and so i i, I like i i've really i've only been using tick 80 recently for this thing called a tiny code christmas which is a challenge like a daily challenge thing where you're implementing various old school demo scene effects uh where like the the, the constraint is like do it in like 256 characters of, of lua code and at that scale like None of the stuff matters. It's, it's all just one giant global scale function, and and uh, and, and, and it's fine. That's fun stuff. I, I, I think at, at that scale, yeah. all these all these are features. But yeah, beyond a certain scale, they become problems very quickly. And the scale is important to think about because, like, uh, I've made two games that I would consider to be like pushing up against the limits of Lua, and they were both under a thousand lines of code. Against so, the limits of Lua, or against the limits of Pico Eight? Oh, sorry, sorry, not Lua of Pico Eight. Hmm. I, and, and like when I say that, I mean what I wanted to add to the game wouldn't fit anymore. I could have added more code. Like they were both at like 30% of the token limit or something like that. But I was all, all the way up against the, the limits of the map and the limits of the, of the, of the graphics, uh, the sprite right, right, right. editor. <laughs> for, uh, for Hop's big adventure in the gift dimension, I actually uh, did an end run around the map size thing where I um, – this was like a little, a tiny R and D project. It was like just a little bit of like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna push at the edges here just a little bit, where I uh, edited the map in an external editor, and I wrote a program to uh, compress that data and store it where the map usually goes in nice in Pico oh, wow. Eight. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I ended up making a map that's much bigger than you can make in the map edit in the Pico Eight map editor. Oh, that's fun. That's amazing. I love it. I like that. Yeah. All right. We've probably given fantasy consoles more than its share. Yeah. So let's, let's move yeah, on. We've been talking it's about this. It's a good topic. For, it is. I a feel good like we could keep going, but yeah. I, this could be just the, the Pico 8 show now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, but I, I agree. Let's let's move on. Welcome to Pico Lords. It's it's important to move on because, Tariq, you have, you have news. For the context <laughs> here, many episodes ago, Tariq, you said that you uh, didn't like any music from the 80s. I don't like most music from the 80s. Well, it's a bold statement. I, okay, we should I, go, yeah, go I, to I the playback said, I, here. Because... I probably said it more definitively than that. I will admit I, it's, it's likely that I said I don't like any 80s music. <laughs> and so I made you a playlist and I promised never to follow up on it, but you listened anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we're here to talk about that. 
Yeah, so I listened uh, to the playlist that you made. It is a playlist of 20 songs, I believe. Um, and every song is, I assume, from the 80s. I didn't double check, but you put it together. Yeah, I, I geez, I hope I didn't miss <laughs> That seems like an important constraint to follow there. Yeah, every song's from the 80s. I t- it, it seemed to track. Nothing there seemed wildly. I tried to cover all the major genres. Yeah. It was so- an impressively, uh, you know, comprehensive. It wasn't just all synth pop or all hair metal or anything like that right right yeah no there was there was a good a good deal of a of a variety which i appreciated yeah like people were doing a lot of a lot of different shit in the 80s yeah yeah <laughs> i will say my opinion has changed a little bit but not that much it's <laughs> fair fair that's more than i expected actually yeah there there were some there were some songs in there that i uh actually really really enjoyed a lot more than i expected to and there were some songs that i really hated the freaking george michael one i did not like at all made oh, me man. very uncomfortable that song is so good <laughs> extremely creepy <laughs> <laughs> i'll be your father figure and then the visuals are extremely horny uh <laughs> yes they are just, just like very very strange uh, uh juxtaposition yeah, I, I feel like 80s videos are their own whole topic here oh yes very much very much right so. yeah May- Honestly, maybe that was an issue because I was watching the videos as I was listening to the music. Maybe I should have just listened to the music and like, like, like tabbed away to a different tab or something. It may have helped. I know what, what I was most drawn to in watching the videos is that, like, on one hand, you, you clearly had all these new production techniques and technologies coming into play, like drum machines and sequenced synthesizers and all that. And on the other hand, you you have this stubborn insistence that musicians are supposed to be playing instruments, and so you better have someone in there with like a guitar and a saxophone, even if this is very clearly like a MIDI track yeah. using nothing but a bunch of presets. I I was intrigued by the Prince track because in the video yes. there's somebody is like playing guitar, and you can't hear it at all. But they're obviously like playing something. Nor, nor are they really holding it correctly. Yeah, or <laughs> like someone just handed a guitar. Like here you go. This will make it look like a music video. It like comes in eventually, but like the entire like first half of the music video, this person's playing a guitar that is completely inaudible, and I'm like, why are they there? <laughs> what is what is this even for? But yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of very famous bands on this list that I have heard of but never actually listened to, like intentionally. Like I'm, I've no, I've like heard them in like commercials and movies and that sort of thing, but never, never, I've never like gone out of my way to like listen to Metallica or um, Prince and that sort of thing. So I feel like just in terms of that, it was pretty, pretty, you know, helpful exposure so that I can have a little more context when people say these. When people talk about these these uh, incredibly influential and famous bands, yeah, yeah, I I only know Holland Oates from a Yacht Rock, so it was nice to see them actually, <laughs> you know, do a song of their own at this point. I took notes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I did take notes. I don't know if we'll have like time to go through all of them. Well, we should put those in the show notes at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can copy them over. Uh, Hit and the I was I was taking I was taking the notes as I was like listening. So like some some of my notes are like you know me making a comment and then being like oh l- look at this part you know so I don't know how how actually <laughs> useful it'll be. Um, but yeah, so the, let me, I mean let me find the ones that I actually enjoyed. There were there were a couple that kind of stood out to me as being like oh I actually really like this uh, De La Soul. I liked that. Oh yeah, me too. I'm going in the backwards order. Um, did not like George Michael. Did not like U2. Wasn't expecting the Japanese band. That came out of nowhere. Uh, and oh, that I, was neat. Yeah, that was. That I was never heard that good. one before. But but that that synth patch on was it was it a a wind MIDI controller he was using? There? Oh yeah, an Iwi. We should name the band Truth. It, it right? was Truth. It was, 
it was T Square uh, was T-square the name of the, the band. band. Okay, which which stands for the Square. <laughs> Perfect. Like you said, the, the the sound patch or whatever whatever they had on that like MIDI uh, reed instrument, it just sounded so much so video gamey. Oh yeah, I have gone into this several times on the podcast, but uh, Japanese fusion mm-hmm. is a huge influence on video game music. Like. If you listen to T-Square, you will hear like, oh, yeah, that's where they got the Street Fighter soundtrack from. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where Mega Man came from. Uh, uh, you know, and like it, Double Dragon is in there. You can get Super Mario Brothers from there. Like it's extremely oh, influential. I'm, I'm very excited to go check this out now. This is great. I will send you a, a concert video that will just like, just covers everything. Yeah. So that, that was pretty fun. Uh, the Prince song... Um, and like I said, I never really listened to Prince before, but and I'm not going to say I loved the song, but I do kind of see why he got famous and is considered with like as highly as he is. Like just yeah. just cu- culturally and musically and like on a technical level, I was like this is a I could see how this is like an evolutionary moment in in music history. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge Prince guy, but like he's also clearly amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it was like the very gated uh, sort of like like music and uh, uh, instrumentation and drums and stuff was like I don't think I've heard anything like this before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. I'm a little bit familiar with Frank Zappa. I never really like went out of my way to listen to him, <laughs> but I know that he's someone that my mom liked, and I get the sense that he's like somebody that for my mom was like one of those person who her mom was like turn that noise off that's not real music type <laughs> well so so to be clear like frank zappa is a among other th- or was among other things a prankster yes um and this that album was a prankster album he's made much more straightforward like rock although it's always with like a ironic clever lyrics yeah the only one I've ever heard of his is Joe's Garage, which I which I have a soft spot for. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've never heard, but the, the, this one sounded neat. The, the, the G Spot Tornado is the one on on the list, and it was not like Joe's Garage, and and kind of pleasant in its own way. So I'll, I'll follow up on that one. Yeah, that that's a really, I love that album. It's very strange. Yeah, I, I remember like as a kid, my mom singing uh, "Don't Eat the Yellow Snow," oh, uh, sure. yeah. which is a Frank Zappa <laughs> song. Uh, I think that one might be from Joe's Garage. Yeah. The the particular song you uh listed uh G Spot Tornado um hectic. Yeah. Yes. Like like this is the sound this is the song of somebody being chased. I don't know where or what from, but like very 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 much Clearly kind of... being chased by a G Spot Tornado. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Who among us can't relate to that predicament? <laughs> Uh, the Herald was the Herald Herald Faltermeyer. I said, sounds like a video game level for a Genesis era character platformer. <laughs> Two eighties for me. <laughs> sure, yeah. I've never um, heard that song, but I assume it's from the it's from the uh, Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's the same composer who made Axel F, okay. which I thought was just a little bit too on the nose. Like you've definitely heard Axel F before. You don't need mm-hmm. me to pl- put Axel F on a playlist for you. Perhaps with a frog in it. Uh, but also, I wanted to like cover a little bit of like the origin of techno. I don't like any Detroit techno, which is why I didn't put any on this list. Like I only put songs that I thought were good on the list. <laughs> um, so I put this on there because it's like, it's kind of in the same vein. Um, and I think it's good. Uh, the next one that stands out for me is uh, holding out for a hero. Oh yeah. Extremely famous song. Heard it in a million things, million movies and stuff. Never listened to it on its own. It's a really good song. <laughs> 
it's it's a it's killer yeah yeah i never like i don't know it's 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 weird that it surprised me as someone who even today doesn't really like like pop music and like popular songs and stuff like that i tend to go for like underground stuff or like obscure things or extremely recent things from people who are going to like take off in like five years i don't know there's just, just kind of like an instinct in me that's like oh if something is like extremely popular and extremely well known then uh it's not necessarily because it's good, you know, <laughs> which isn't to, which isn't to say that it's bad, but it's just like there must have been other factors into why this thing is popular. But I feel like this one, it's like, oh, this is good. And that's why it's famous. <laughs> or it could be a coincidence. <clears throat> could be. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Could be a coincidence. But it lined up pretty well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was composed by Jim Steinman, who comes from the musical theater, from a musical theater background. And. Uh, his stuff is really like if you're looking for that like that it's it takes the form of like a rock song, but mm. it's just all bombast all the time. Uh, he's really good at that. He also mm. wrote um, Total Eclipse of the Heart and all the good Meatloaf albums. <laughs> so I will never get over that guy's name, Meatloaf. Why would you? <laughs> why would you? Why would you choose that? He was trying to reclaim it. It was something that his, his gym teacher called him that. Oh, okay. That makes a little more sense. Don't judge a meatloaf by its cover. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I love meatloaf as a food. It's just a oh, weird name uh, to choose. Uh, but yeah, continue, continue with the list. Uh, Echo and the Bunny Men. Uh, so the first time I listened to this playlist, I got to this song and then got distracted because it reminded me of another band that I like. And then I was like trying to figure out what the other band that I like that this reminded me of was. I think it was the Vales, a uh, more recent band that I like. And, and the guy's voice kind of very reminiscent of that. Uh, I like the song a lot. For, for me, uh, the the editors are another band where the, the vocalist uh, yes, sounded very, I, very echoes yes. in the Bunny Manny. I, I actually was like not sure which to bring up whether it was whether the veils or the or the editors were were closer but i like looked up both of them and was like <laughs> who's closer i don't know maybe i feel like feel like kind of a combination of the two might be might be closest but yeah uh i like this and i also relate to moon imagery a lot because the moon is a uh inspiring thing that tends to show up a lot in the songs that i write personally so it show up a lot in the sky yeah so, yeah, I agree. Until I destroy it. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked that one. Metallica, it was fine. Didn't really yeah. make me feel much. It, it, it's for for whom the bell tolls is the is the track here. For yes, for worth. whom the bell tolls. Yeah, I agree. Not 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 the one that sets the world on fire for me. Yeah, like a a, a more a more canonical Metallica track would be. I think they're. What is what was their breakout album? I think it was from like 1990, which is why I couldn't include anything from it. <laughs> the the black album, that yeah, one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's the one that hits me. Like nothing else matters, and Unforgiven, and yeah, understand man, all those all those goodies. Maybe I'll have to check that one out then. You could. I mean, so my uh, my suggestion for this playlist was that you listen to like 15 seconds of each song, and then more yeah. if you like it. Uh, I think that's a pretty good way to approach uh, the black album. Mm, okay yeah yeah that's i guess that's another thing that, that i kind of noticed like listening to some of these things is like they'll have a good part and then it'll just keep going and i'll be like all right i'm tired of this now <laughs> <laughs> um what else you got for me all right keep continuing continuing the pointer sisters automatic um first thing i wrote uh for this one the drums 
like before the vocals come in, like the drums and instrumentation are emblematic about like what I dislike about a lot of 80s music. Oh, sure. Like it just sounds like that sound I find very unpleasant. But then once the vocals kick in, I actually kind of enjoy it. Um, like for, for a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these, uh, like 80s, 80s tracks that, that were on the list, it's like, okay, the instrumentation isn't my favorite. And then the vocals I really don't like. This is kind of the opposite where it's like, the instrumentation I disliked and the vocals I actually really enjoyed. So that was, that was kind of an interesting, uh, interesting revelation. Um, Dolly Parton, I will always love you. Never actually listened to Dolly Parton. Had no idea that this was a Dolly Parton song. I only ever heard the Whitney Houston version. Yeah. Same boat here. Yeah. Uh, kind of sappy, not really up my alley, but, uh, yeah, good, good, like to know. (laughs) I I, I feel like Whitney did it better. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think so. I think so too. Agent Orange, Bloodstains. I like punk music, uh, and I guess this is this is actually one thing that I that I uh, was going to mention is like, and and why I was like trying to clarify when this first came up is like, oh, I don't dislike all '80s music, but like I know there is music that came out in the '80s that I don't hate. Right? I know <laughs> that that's a true. I know that that's a true fact. But it's not just I a still, dead decade. Yeah, because it's a, it's a decade. There's you know stuff is going to happen there that I you know that, what's whatever. It's very broad. A lot of things happening, but I will say I feel like most of the things that came out of the '80s that I like most of the music that came out of the '80s that I liked was stuff that was happening before the '80s and just got carried into it, or stuff that started in the '80s and was emblematic of what would follow it, as yeah. opposed to the stuff that is really like contained within the '80s and like identifying of that particular decade. Does that make sense? No, I I totally agree. I think a lot of the stuff, like the like the the rap tracks that I included at the end, there are like oh yeah oh I didn't even talk about the NWA one. Um, <laughs> I, what I what I wrote was oh god these lyrics so st- are so straightforward. Not even a hint of metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> just oh yeah like, it's, a, it's a story song yeah it's just like <laughs> look at me i'm in a gang bang bang that's yeah like like oh there's no subtlety whatsoever it's just like uh boy uh but but yeah like 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 the stuff we should do gangsta gangsta as a as the poem <laughs> oh <laughs> just to oh, try, boy. Just try <laughs> to try to try to take that lens to it they <laughs> They say the N word in that, and I'm not comfortable saying that. Oh. And I'm not comfortable with either of you saying that. Yeah, you're, no, that's you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, just like like the the back to the the, the punk song that was in there is like the, there was you know there's punk in the '80s, but I don't associate it with like a strictly '80s thing. That seems like something that was carried yeah. into the '80s from the previous decades. Um, and like uh, I want to say like Gil Scott Heron is kind of a similar thing where I really like Gil Scott Heron, and I know he came out with an album in the '80s, but like the sort of tradition of music that he that he belongs to is like more 60s and 70s and so uh yeah yeah but uh, yeah I, I think you're exactly right like there, there there was carryover stuff and then there was there was the seeds of of things like uh, uh you know techno and electronic music that they were planted in the 80s yeah yeah or arguably earlier perhaps but like what is something that is distinctly 80s and, and didn't didn't escape it right yeah yeah and i i included plenty of like this is of the 80s tracks on there for you to yeah. decide whether you're into that shit not mostly but there were a couple a couple that surprised me like i said holding out for hero that 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 surprised me uh the human league don't you want me it felt like 
this one I kind of like this this whole song just kind of feels like other other than the than the chorus which is like the famous part like don't you love me baby yeah uh every part but that part kind of just felt like I don't know like what's the musical equivalent of oatmeal like it didn't <laughs> seem like there was a whole lot of actual like interest or anything going on that was worth listening to so I, I i'm in the same but i i've heard on the radio a, a gajillion times and i hear the chorus and like literally nothing else but watching the video and and seeing the subtitles on i was i was stuck with like oh this is um somebody i used to know but 30 years earlier it's, right it's, it's the same general structure and uh kiss on my list uh didn't hear my notes for this one are don't like it don't like the start but i like it more as it goes on i dislike the intro to the chorus but i like the first chord change in the chorus so like (laughs) there's so like there's like some like weird stuff here where it's like like and this is i feel like this is the case for like a lot of these songs where it's like overall thumbs down (laughs) like 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 overall i don't have a lot of positive feelings about them but but like every once in a while it'll be like oh this is a neat part like this one chord change is pretty interesting or like this one like vocal thing that they do is cool or like, you know, but like, but it's always, in, it, it, it tends to come in like piecemeal like that where it's like, you know, there's like a couple things that I like, but overall tend not to be super into the just general vibe. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the, <laughs> of the uh, playlist and, uh, or I guess to the beginning since I went to through it backwards. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are my thoughts about uh, 80s, 80s music. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, as long as we move the needle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a worthwhile exercise. We, we skipped over it right at the beginning, but, uh, but, uh, but Madonna's like a prayer. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, so my, 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 my soft spot for 80s Madonna is already on the public record from an earlier episode. And, and like a prayer is, is a soft spot on that soft spot. Uh, I'd forgotten the video includes a full on curtain call at the end, which is a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like they had to say, and this was all fictional, right? Yeah, yep. You understood this, right? <laughs> My notes for that one are it's fine. <laughs> that's that's oh, all I man. wrote for that one. I, I want to assign I want to I'm not gonna do this, but I want to assign you you should go back and listen to that song again, but just the bass line. Okay. I'll I'll give it I'll give it another 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 try. I I appreciate very much the thought that uh and 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 uh presentation that went into this uh playlist. Uh because like I love music. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I love music and it's it feels it feels like I don't know. On on one hand, like it feels weird for there to be just like, oh, there's an entire decade that I don't like. <laughs> but on the other on the other hand, it's like it's it's also part of me being like kind of contrarian and being like, oh yeah, just like devil's advocate type person. In terms of being like, if if somebody you know comes at me with, oh, the '80s are the best best decade for music, I can just be like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's like how I've tasted Marmite, so I can say, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is no, it doesn't taste good. Right. This yes. is my superpower is that I know I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I pre- I appreciated the breadth of the playlist. That it was a good exercise to just. It's easy to dismiss an entire decade of music as like, oh, the seventies was just disco and and like psychedelic stuff, or not psychedelic stuff, like like classic rock stuff. Yeah, uh, and and there there's a lot more going on there if you, if you look a little closer. And I feel like the eighties is 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 similarly in danger of just like becoming oh, it was the like cheesy synth pop era. And, yeah, and no, there 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 was more going on there. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but it's worth it's worth a look. 
Yeah, I think I think like the harder it leans into synth pop, the the more it veers away from what I what I'm into. Uh, but I I do have uh, some things that I think are on my my list of things to do. Uh, listen to more De La Soul. Is is your kiss on my list? Your kiss. Which one was that? No, that was the very first song on the list. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> the song is your kiss is on my list. I was trying to make a joke. Yeah. I see. I and see. it didn't work. We can cut that part. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to follow those guys anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's okay. They were mostly from the '70s, anyway. And uh, check out more Echo and the Bunnymen because I liked those. I, I liked those ones. So those are the ones that kind of stood out as like things that I could see myself like just listening to uh, in in the now. I I mentioned it once. H- have you seen Yacht Rock? No. Does that ring a bell? Okay. Uh, please, please, please go check out Yacht Rock. It is a series of videos from a decade ago. Okay. On some long forgotten streaming service, and and like Hollow Note, it's sort of a, a a parody of early '70s smooth music, and Hollow Notes make an appearance, and they're hilarious in that. And I wish the music lived up to it in in in, in my heart, but <laughs> like they they have some great lines in Yacht Rock, and I, I love them for that, if nothing else. I will check it out. Oh yeah, uh, Bobby Brown. My comment on that one, it sounds a lot like a Backstreet Boys song. He even says, tell me why, like in the Backstreet oh, yeah. Boys song. That that whole thing, uh, I forget the, the guy who put it all together, but he put together a band called New Edition. Uh, New Edition was making music that's basically Bobby Brown, Backstreet Boys, like early or the mid, late 80s. Uh, New Edition broke up They uh, and the solo acts were Johnny Gill, Bobby Brown, and then the the three people who never sang lead formed uh, Belle Biv DeVo- DeVoe. <gasps> oh. The guy who put New Edition together was like, you know what? I bet this music would be more successful if the boys were white. Oh, wow. And then he put together the Backstreet Boys. Wow. Had no idea. And that guy, uh, as Einstein. far as I know, famously a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> yes, that guy, Albert Einstein. <laughs> Yeah, as far as I know, he was he was uh there you know the Backstreet Boys instinct like human uh was was just a real awful person who took advantage of position in the music industry to to like basically uh churn out these these guys and then also like take everything from them. Anyway, are we ready for another topic? I think I think we're ready for another topic. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to make it through the list at this point. Oh no, no, we're going to we're we might not even make it to the poem. these are some pretty long topics uh but yeah yeah oh these were these were both topics that i was really looking forward to discussing at length so yeah yeah uh so my topic is you can't slake an earworm with three quarters of a chorus so this was part of jan misely's video on the europop song that was like sped up and where they do the little dance with their hands on their heads caramel dancing Carmel Denson. I looked up Jan Misely's song and it just gave me a bunch of Tokipona songs that he's made. <laughs> uh, he used, he did this mashup of um, of an anime theme and uh, Die Young by Kesha. Okay. And used it as like interstitial music between two segments of that video, of the video on the Carmel Denson song. Uh, 
and I was really into like I the the part that was included in the video was like oh shit that's really catchy and I uh he had posted the full version like I think it was on Bandcamp for a while but then it got taken down because it was just two other songs that <laughs> that uh, he had no rights to but I listened to it and like the verse doesn't work the chorus only the first only the parts that were included in the video work so like there's like 10 seconds of great music here and then it devolves into nonsense as the mashup fails to continue working <laughs> and i tried listening to uh the kesha song and it wasn't very good and i tried listening to the anime theme that i can't remember the, the name of and it also wasn't like which is weird because like i'm actually really into like uh hyper um hyper pop is that the name of it i like, don't know like that's that's like, i know that's the name of a genre of just like very right, really really energetic high-pitched yeah. japanese like j-pop with way too many chord changes yeah like that's that's my jam so i was surprised i didn't like that anime theme uh which, and it left me in a really weird place where like you know when you're when you're stuck we have a song stuck in your head you can then go listen to the song and like purge yourself of it um or at least that's how it works for me i couldn't do that here because like it just was like the the, the remainder of the song just doesn't exist anywhere and i maybe i could write it i don't know so i just had to wait what, what, what's what's the name of the mashup artist here uh it was done by jan misali j-a-n-m-i-s-a-l-i i i feel for them yeah like, like you create something that's that's better than the sum of its parts, but only for ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's poetic. Most people don't get to do even that. You get a glimpse of greatness. So, so you just had to wait for the song to leave your head on its own. Basically, yeah. Oh, that's that's awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time you got ten seconds on loop, that's terrible. That's really awful. Did you remember what what purged it eventually, or was it just time? It was just time. Yeah. Uh, can you get rid of, rid of an earworm with another earworm, or do you just have two earworms then? Oh man! Uh, I, so one I, in each ear. <laughs> I am not musically sophisticated enough to, to hear two songs in my head at once. Mm. I bet some people can do that, but I'm not one of them. So I it would it would definitely have to to um it, like having a second earworm would definitely have to get rid of the first one. Right. Just next, whenever something pops in your head next time, just be like, this is the song that never ends. It just goes on and on again. Is that yours? Is that your... Uh, no, no. Everlasting... i already. Okay. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a couple that I've had in my brain recently, uh, but they're not in my head right now, so I'm not going to look for them because I don't want them <laughs> to come back. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I've heard of none of these bands. I feel like I dodged a bullet by, by not knowing anything about any of this. Well, I'm definitely putting this mashup in the in the show notes. So if anybody wants to inflict <laughs> it, uh, inflict this. it on themselves, I think the most recent one, the, the thing that I've had stuck in my head is uh, "We Need a Bigger Dumpster" by Cheek Face. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I know that one. So if anybody if anybody is interested in that, it's just a song. I really like them. I've recently found this band, uh, and it's it's an album from this year. Like I said, most of the stuff I listen to extremely recent, <laughs> uh, or uh, or or just weird and obscure sometimes. Uh, but found them, and this was the first song of theirs that I heard, and I found it to be quite catchy, and uh, listened to it a lot of times in a row. Uh, but yeah, it's a bold claim, but I feel like I'm I'm not particularly plagued by earworms, maybe because I have. I, I had to have so many things 
playing anyway that not, nothing lodges long enough mm. to be of any danger. For the most part, I'm not actually bothered by earworms. Like, like I'm, I'm self-integrated enough that like the things that my brain like are also the things that I like. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had That's like handy. Any, I don't think I've ever had an earworm or like like anything of that of that nature for something that I didn't like. Right? Yeah. Like if I get a song stuck in my head, it's usually because I like the song. I, I like the idea that there's something that your brain likes and something that you like. like what, <laughs> that feels like an important metaphysical distinction. Like who who is the you that is not your brain? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I certainly like I'm at odds with some parts of my brain for sure. Like <laughs> there's there's definitely me's in here that are like this this guy is ruining my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. Yeah. We're not on speaking terms. <laughs> the hippocampus. Right. But mostly we're in, we're, you know, we're friendly. We're <laughs> on good terms. Yeah. When, when you, when you get something stuck in your head, do you, is it usually lyrical stuff or is it like just the, the, the melody? No, it's melody. I almost, almost never pay attention to lyrics. Like when you were talking uh, about how the, the George Michael song was creepy, I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> that, that must be lyrical content. That's oh, like all I can pay attention to. There must be to. meaning in these words. <laughs> he was just like, "I'll be your father figure. Take, put your tiny hand in mine, and and then like look in my eyes, daughter, or whatever." And I'm like, "This." Oh, he was singing to a boy that George Michael is gay. Oh, is he? It, it, it the the video imagery. He 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 definitely did say something about a daughter. Oh, really? And also, it doesn't make it better. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but there was at least one shot of like of, of her in some state of undress through her apartment window from the street level. Oh, yeah. That, that had a very stalkery tone to the it. The music video had to have a woman in it because no, the world didn't know he was gay. Right. D does that make it better? No. I guess. No. Well, I <laughs> no. mean, I don't know. I haven't heard the lyrics. Uh. <laughs> I mean, ha haven't you claimed in, in past episodes that you, you have whatever the the audio equivalent of a photographic memory is like you can you can remember sounds oh uh, but not words not words okay. uh, interesting because words aren't sounds right. um yeah that, that's actually interesting like if we can if we can use this as an opportunity to rewind a little bit to the previous topic sure i pay i tend to pay a lot of attention to like lyrics uh usually like even if i don't like necessarily understand their content i will generally like hear the words that they're saying and they will, you know, have an emotive impact on me one way or another. Uh, and another thing that I like, there are so many songs about love and just like romance oh, yeah. or like being horny thing. or like trying yep. to attract people to you or like being sad after a breakup and that sort of thing. I, that's most, they're unrelatable to me. I don't feel <laughs> I don't like, and, and so like, I feel like that's also like kind of a major point of like me just like, not liking a lot of stuff is like romance, romantic songs, romantic movies and that sort of thing. Just kind of more than anything, a little bit irritate me. <laughs> like, yeah, so that, that's, 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 it's not like an instant. No, if a song is like about that sort of thing, but it's kind of points against it. Uh, or like, you know, generally not going to endear me to it any, any faster. Like if it is about, if it is about that subject, then it has to be like, I have to like be really into the actual musicality of yeah, it. Yeah. There's a there's an Amy Grant song called Baby Baby. And it's mm -hmm. one of these songs about like singing. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. So, so singing, 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 you know, to your lover or whatever. And about how 
the lover has made your life better. But Amy Grant apparently came from the uh, the Christian pop background, mm. where she only had experience writing about God and that sort of thing and worship music. And faced with the challenge, like any pop songwriter, like there's no way you can become a pop songwriter without being able to write about love. Like that's just part of the job. Right. But she wasn't a pop songwriter. She was a Christian pop songwriter. And so she was trying to approach this thing and like she felt like uh, – she felt like like she had no idea what she was doing and her like words were like – did no vocabulary trying desperately to sound romantic. Mm. And what broke it for her was she actually started writing the song about her baby, about her child. Oh, I thought you were going to say about God. <laughs> it was originally Jesus, Jesus, but they had to change the lyrics for, and then it was a hit, right? Oh, and wow. so it's actually it's actually about her 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 literal baby, and right, and so oh, wow. this could be like so when you're listening to that song, it totally works as like this is a song a mother singing to her child, and it's actually really adorable. I think that the song "Baby Baby" is actually written to a baby. That's wonderful. Uh, and I think that could be a life hack. Like whenever somebody is singing about their baby or to a baby, to their baby, just picture in your head, just put a baby in place of that, those song lyrics and, and then you'll be able to relate to it. I feel like that's not going to work for all songs though. I, I, yeah, like... I feel like that, that, that could work to a point and then past that point, it stops working very quickly. <laughs> yes. Like baby got back, for example. Oh. <laughs> Probably. No, that, that's the diaper. That the diaper. Every, every baby has that enormous butt. Oh, no. oh boy. Are we uh, ready for another topic? I think so. I think it's poem time. We uh, better have a poem. Yeah. We so we, we're going to be reading uh, the poem, uh, the lyrics to Aesop Rock's Ruby eighty one. Uh, Tariq, would you like to take the take it away? Sure, I can do that. July fourth, nineteen eighty one. Candles of a Roman ilk unloaded from a Chevy truck into the home her folks had built. Patio was charcoals and extended fam and folding chairs safely arced around the yard to focus on the smoking flares. Couple cousins, uncles, aunts, mostly grown-ups, couple brats. Baby Ruby's only two, she's too close to the jumping jacks. Mommy scoops her to the house, buckles up the booster seat, rolls her to the storm door, let her long for all the lunacy. Telephone distracting mom, Ruby wriggles out her strap. Fingers push the plexiglass, she's off into the sour patch. Past the pyrotechnics undetected and invisible, woke the sleeping beagle skipping toward the kidney swimming pool. Off into the yawning blue, the splash would mum the rocket ships. Baby's, Ruby's lungs were filling by the time her king were cognizant. Many sprung and spritted down, all arrived belated, but the beast he had earlier stirred had been alert since waking up. Canine let his gainer fly, water top commotion grow. Howling guests assumed that cloven hooves had come to dosy do Frenzied and congested deck, part to let the elder see, soggy beagle gently dragging Ruby in his yellow teeth, laid the tiny body in the sun before her father's feet. When she choked the liquid through her bluish lips, he dropped his knee, helped the, helped the air to reconvene, towel his shaking Ruby off, EMT confirmed the save, everybody says, good dog. Wait, wait, so which one's the dog? The dog is the beagle. The dog is unnamed. Okay, okay, all right. Dog is unnamed, yes. Okay. I need, I need to give this another read here. Is, is this meant to be like, – I think I spent the first half of it assuming that it was some kind of intentional arson going on. But this, this sounds like an accident? Uh, no. So it's it's no? it's a celebration – well, yes. It is, a, it is an accident where a child falls into a swimming pool, almost drowns, and then a dog saves her. 
uh, on the fourth of July. After a bunch of fireworks go off. Yes. And and scare her. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's distracted by having fun during Fourth of July, and nobody notices the baby uh, has gotten out of her booster seat and crawled down to the swimming pool. Wow. It's it's very specific. Is this a true story? I don't know, uh, but it is. I mean, it paints a picture. Certainly, I think at least of a very specific moment in time that is. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just really like the the the. I mean, I'm like Aesop Rock. My Catacomb Kids is the name of an Aesop Rock song. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> it's that. The game that okay. I've been working on for ten years. <laughs> yeah. So you're a fan, is what I'm hearing. I'm a fan. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think I think like this. It's just a. It paints a very very evocative picture of just like a moment in time of just like a lot of stuff is happening. People, uh, so it's like the first line, people bringing Roman Roman candles into the house off of the truck. There's uncles and aunts and stuff around. Everybody's having fun. And there's just, you know, about this, this hero dog that, uh, that notices, that notices what the people don't because they're too busy with the festivities. It's got a nice rhythm to it too. Good dog. The, the meter rather. Yeah. Good dog. Yeah. Everybody say good dog. It's got a happy ending. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, happy ending's important. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> we, we, we can laugh about this. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's important that it's in the 80s because now there'd be fences around that pool and uh, and ring, and and cameras going off and alarms blaring. Yeah, I'm, I'm realizing this might be a stressful thing to people who have children. Uh, so sorry for that. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, I didn't follow the poem for most of it. Okay. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> It was just going too fast. Uh, it is a rap, so that does happen. I, I definitely want to go listen to it. W- what's the part about the uh, the cloven hooves? Howling guests assumed the cloven hooves had come to do do I think that means they like they thought that she was dead. Cloven hooves, the hooves of the devil. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see what Genius.com has to say about it. Ah, cloven <laughs> hooves equals death slash the devil, and do means to dance. Yes, it does. According to Genius. Thank you, Genius. Yep. You, you, you bust that one wide I, I, open. I, I might be biased. Uh, I like Genius lyrics because I can I contribute to them <laughs> sometimes whenever I find a wrong thing. I will try Is it to... like a wiki? Yeah, it's like it's like crowdsourced lyrics. Uh, and it irritates me because uh, uh, I listen to a lot of stuff on Spotify and they use a different like crowdsourced lyrics provider called music match uh which like i think the like the sign up process is like harder or like more thorough or whatever like i tried doing it and i was like this is too many steps it's not just it's not just like you get an account and then you can edit edit things it's like you have to like go through like multiple steps or whatever but the lyrics are so bad on that one they're like so they're uh, like like wrong (laughs) like like text-to-speech bad yeah, kinda. Yeah, or like, like <laughs> just put this in front of a Siri and transcribed it. Or like, like, like I'll you know, like I'll be, be trying to follow the lyrics on Spotify, like, like along as the song is playing. It's obviously transcribed by a human, but it's like transcribed by a human who's like hard of hearing, because uh, <laughs> like there'll okay. sometimes be like lo- like stretches where there's just like question marks because they didn't hear what they said, and I'm like. I could hear what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Fix that. Yeah, I I would. I could fix that. Someone is hard of hearing on the internet. Let me fix this. Yeah, and then I'll like go over to the genius version of the same song, and they'll have the lyrics right. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to fix anything. But why? But it's not using it on Spotify. So because it's not like anyway, it's frustrating. It's it's like a a 
constant frustration of mine. I know Spotify has other issues too that are probably yeah. worse and more impactful to the actual music industry, but <laughs> that's 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 the one that irritates me. There's a phenomenon that I think it's getting better now, but for a long time, if you search for like the chords to a song, like the guitar chords to a song, if you wanted to play it, uh, you would find a whole bunch of websites that all like copy data from each other. Yes. And originally, this all came from like a 14-year-old making a post to Usenet in 1998 <laughs> who got the chords wrong because he's 14. Yeah. Even if you put like, well, what can I do as like, I, I know this is the, I know the right chord progression, but I can't, like, am I going to fucking write into each one of these sites? No, because there isn't, probably isn't even a person reading the emails. It's probably just a person <laughs> who like wrote a program to scrape a bunch of songs together and create a site for, to put ads on. Yeah. And when I say I, this might be better now, this definitely isn't better now. It's <laughs> not. But, and this is probably something that exists in multiple forms. I've only seen one though, uh, uh, because I got a guitar like a couple years ago with the intention of learning how to play it, which I still haven't done. But uh, <laughs> when I was still wanting to learn how to play it, or I still want to learn how to play it, when I was still trying to learn how to play it. <laughs> Right. I was. I wanted to learn a specific song, but I couldn't find like the chords anywhere or anything. But I did find there's like somebody who knows how to play guitar, and they have a Patreon, and you can sign up for their Patreon and request specific song like chords from or like chord progressions and songs from them, and they'll just uh record a video of their hands playing the song. And lend like uh, transcribe the 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 chords that they're playing and that sort of thing, um, right? Which I, I don't know. Like, is that is that just what you have to do now? Like, there's so much misinformation that you just have to pay someone to give you the right one. I the, mean, the, you the, could the, you could know somebody, yeah, or, or you you can uh, learn uh, get get enough ear training to do it yourself. You could just do it wrong and lean into it. <laughs> yeah. Your your artistic take on the uh, the piece. I like doing things right, though. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> Any other thoughts about this? Uh, these lyrics. I want to go listen to it. I, I'm looking for an official story because it, it, it does feel so specific that I'd be surprised if there wasn't some truth to it. Like why why 81? Right. Yeah. Other than that, it fits the meter. This could just be like uh, consummate storytelling, you know. Like it makes me think of um, Wesley Willis' song "Oil Express," where he sings a very detailed song about getting his oil changed and how the people at Oil Express treated him right. Mm. But Wesley Willis doesn't drive a car, or he's dead now. <laughs> but he didn't drive a car. He just wrote this. He wrote this story because he yeah. wanted to sing about oil changes. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I feel like I feel like I like it more if it isn't about a real event because because I I do like appreciate that kind of storytelling of like yeah inventing that kind of that degree of specificity and and evoking that like that that kind of moment and that kind of atmosphere like if you were there then you can describe it but if you weren't there it's right. like if it never happened that this is a lot of really specific details to create about an yeah, event. Yeah, it's like even more impressive to me that yeah, to, to like to be able to to uh, conjure all the nuance of a moment like that. Uh, right, turn me around. Yeah, it's a gift. I, I I don't know much Aesop Rock. Is, is this where I should start? 
maybe not this one particularly uh but i mean i like most of his stuff so i think you're good starting anywhere um i think let me see what's my favorite album of his maybe like none shall pass i don't know i'm 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 bad at having favorites uh because <laughs> they change so often that does happen yeah that's all the time we have for topic lords court if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet uh, so I'm I'm on Mastodon under postgoodism at something something. Uh, I, I've been treating social media more as a read-only uh, interface lately. Uh, honestly, the, the place I'm most active on the internet these days is the Topic Lords Discord uh, because nice. Lord Lords rule. Enough said. Lords Lords rule. Enough said. That and yet now we have to ask Tyreek, <laughs> even though we've already said enough. Nope. Nope. It's enough said. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for being on. Yep. Always a pleasure. Of course. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!